that they were supporting like Metro Station. I don't know if you remember that band, but like they're like some pop band. Uh, shake it, your- shake, shake, shake it. Hey, this is Party Like a Rockstar podcast, and I'm your host, Joel. Today's episode is brought to you by Misha's Kind Foods. They're an LA-based small business making the world's finest non-dairy cheese on the market today. They're lactose-free, paleo, keto, kosher, perev, and 100% vegan. If you like what you see, check out the next video. If you like this video, please subscribe and like by clicking the little round button on the bottom right. To learn more about me or our other guests on the show, go to joelrody.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. The handle is Joel Rody. If you haven't already read my book, Memoir of a Rody, it's now available through Amazon and paperback Kindle or as an audiobook. I hope you enjoy the show. I'm not on my fucking computer, oh, so. Gotcha. Where because are you? Everyone, uh, in front of Dick's, because everyone's in the hotel room, everyone's in the fucking bus. So I've been, there's no business center. So I was like, God damn it, I have nowhere to go. So I'm just God like damn. in an open parking lot. In the middle of fucking Savannah, Listen. Georgia. Ah. All right, let me jump into it. It's because he's so popular. <laughs> Ashton Parsons is a sound guy. He's toured with Fifth Harmony, Disturbed, Bush, Alice Cooper, Teddy Swims, Black Label Society, Dashboard Confessional, and Steel Panther. He's currently on tour with Alice Cooper. Alex Marquides is also a sound guy. He currently works for Kill Switch Engage. He's been on tour with Periphery and Steel Panther. He's a front of house engineer for Kill Switch Engage and Periphery, and he's a monitor engineer for Steel Panther. He's also done some corporate sound for companies like LMG, JC Audio, Silo, Creative Video, and Showtime Sound. Is Silo the one member they used to have like Circuit City, Silo? Is it, it's got to be something different. That's where I got my first stereo from when I was a kid. Oh, Silo Pro Audio. It's like run by like a mom and pop shop. They're they're awesome, but they have huge corporate clients like the the president and shit. So. Wow. All right, cool. It's pretty sick though. So Steel Panther, so I had on uh you guys know Nick Rucker? Of course. Hell yeah. Yeah, so that was he was he was that was a fun one. So I'll go right into my question for him was uh one of them was uh who's the coolest person you saw sit in on steel panther what was because uh for me when i was a kid we'd go to sunset and we'd watch them at uh god where were the house band at i can't think of it key, key club key club key club and yep. uh what was metal school them, what made them really interesting is you didn't know who was going to sit in because there was always somebody man always they were friends with everybody. everybody and they still are they still are you know like you don't know what you know you know, somebody might show up, but like sometimes, like I last year, I was at the uh, at Sturgis in the middle of, of COVID, you know. But we, George Lynch played right before Steel Panther, his, his solo band, and I was fully prepared for George Lynch to just run up and fucking sit in. It didn't happen. Um, so you just got to be on your toes with Steel Panther because you never know. Like, I think, I think Alex, you've had more exciting guests than I've ever had. We've had like Chris, Chris Kale from, uh, Five Fingers come up like three times in like one tour, like at different moments. He came up in like Austin. He was there in Vegas, like whatever. I just saw Joey Belladonna just joined on stage the other day. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. And I was, and I was just like sick. (laughs) Yeah. 
He did that actually. Now that I think about it, you just reminded me. Uh, we did uh, Rockfest in Kadat earlier this year. I was, you know, because Steel Panther trades off their monitor guys. They have, you know, their North American set of, of engineers. They've got their European set of engineers. Their, you know, Australia Asia uh, set of engineers. Uh, Nick is the constant because Nick is the brains of the operation for that band, um, and he's rightfully so. He's been there. For, 13, 14 years now, but, uh, uh, yeah, Joey came out and I've worked for Anthrax as well. So I'm good friends with Joey. And all of a sudden I get a tap on the shoulder going, Hey, Joey's coming to hang out. And I'm like, Oh, sick. I know what he wants to hear. So dial up a mix. He's ready to go. But that show is amazing because I've, I've done a couple of cruise ship shows with Anthrax. We'll oh. do our, we'll do our set. And then all of a sudden, you know, an hour later, I'm done settling and loading out, and I'm walking through the ship to go back to my cabin or get a drink or something. And Joey is at the live karaoke, <laughs> still singing. <laughs> Hours later, that guy that guy doesn't rest. He loves to was sing. Was the cruise? Was it shipwrecked that you were doing? Uh, I've done shiprocked with them, and I've done um, uh, the Motorhead motorboat before Lemmy passed away. I got the Shiprock guys coming on. Uh, Justin Press, is it coming on uh, next week? We had to reschedule. Right on. Yeah, it should be cool. I want to do uh, I want to do more of them. I've only been able to do one cruise ship like to, uh, show thing, and it was uh, Prog, the Prog Nation cruise with uh, like Mike Portnoy did that whole thing or whatever. So it was a bunch of prog bands, which was awesome. It was super fun. And nice. uh, I wanted, I definitely wanted to do like more of them. And the like, cruise ships are fun. It's like a fun time with like a bunch of friends and, you know, go get hammered in the, the crew bar or whatever. Like, I mean, fun. I, it's really like if you want free drinks, just save a couple drumsticks or uh, some guitar picks. Yeah. And the bartenders are more than happy to hook you up. The rest of the cruise is what I've discovered. I've done about five of them now. Oh, a uh, lot. Yeah. Yeah. Man, black. Five. Black. Black Label Society did a lot of them. When I worked for those guys, we did Shiprock, and then we did would do something else, and then we did the Motorhead Motorboat, you know, because they did about three of those. So it's been fun. And then, you know, um, I'm doing the Legacy of Rock or something with uh, Alice Cooper in February. Um, another cruise? There's another cruise, yeah, that's on the books right now. And I know so Panther sick. has one. We can fight about who will do that one. So. Shiprocked is uh, Steel Panthers going on the next Shiprocked in January. That's right. Yeah. Damn. Right on. Huh? All right, well, so. I'll see them in a. I'll see them in a couple of weeks. I'll, uh, I know. I know. Nick. Nick hit me up about doing that that run in November, and then immediately later went, "Oh, well, man, uh, Darren uh, management hit up Marquis first. and I'm like, well, "Fuck." <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't remember when. I was just like, I don't care. Whatever. I'm. I'm no, it's fine. I'm. I'm, I'm same. I'm happy for you to do it. <laughs> We're gonna it. fight about it. I'm just kidding. Uh, we'll we'll eat Indian food and burn our mouths off. It'll be fine. We just we just both of us love Steel Panther because the Steel Panther dudes are like the nicest motherfuckers in the business. They are super nice. They're super knowledgeable. They're all fucking hilarious. Totally. Uh, and they like love to hang out with us too. They're not like they're not. You know, they're not divas or whatever. They just like to chill and they're super funny. And they fuck with us too. Like during the show, like they'll throw hats and throw sticks at us and like make jokes and whatever. And those guys are just like what working for a band should be like. 
you know, you and like fun. I think that's why we've that's I think that's why we both like really love the band and like I love working for them. I could just Same. work for them only and be great. <laughs> totally, totally. They, they, Nick, they, Nick, we're Nick, we're taking your job and it's just going to be me and Ashton for the rest of the time. Bye. <laughs> Listen, and and Marquinis and I have been plotting this for years and have not had the right opportunity. And you know, Nick, I know Literally. you're tired. We got this. You've set up a good system. Yeah. We're taking it from you. No, yeah. The band no, like, has asked us to tell you that you're fired. <laughs> yeah, Taco Marquiti's statements, like, like Steel Panther is, like, the top. Like, those guys are so easy. They're just happy to be there. And, you know, like, I've been thrown off stage to, like, fake play keyboards. And, like, that. yeah, they'll throw hats. You know, they're, they're a lot of fun. And I'm always happy when I get the call to work with guys because it's it's not work at that point you know Have you guys ever googled uh, yeah. your names do you know what ashton and parsons is yeah it's a it's like a a, a baby teething, powder thing it's a teething yeah. powder for yeah. babies yeah yeah well uh, yeah <laughs> so it's a it's a british powder that you put on like the gums of teething babies and then there's also this r&b singer named ashton parsons or ash uh, parsons ashton and yeah, the Google results have not changed much so much over the years. You'll still find <laughs> Alex here, Mark. Alex. You... Alex is very popular. He's famous. Yeah, well, if you type in his name, you run a bullet a bulletproof drug cartel. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's it's like a, some That's... TV show where the dude's name was Alex Marketees, and he runs a fucking drug cartel. No fucking way. I gotta look that up. That's yeah. new. Every time I've searched it, it's always been like. Like me or my like my dad or my uh, my uncle who's like a who's a published medical writer from uh, he's well he lives in Houston now but um, but that's like really all that comes up and there's like a few marquitis in Cyprus that are like you know doctors or whatever so they come up but that's about it. Well, it's like it's it's got all this drug cartel shit and then on the right photo of you with a console. Well, well, yeah, no, no, I I just googled it now. It's Number one is your Twitter. The number two is this Bulletproof Wiki uh, page about the show. And then your LinkedIn and then your Facebook page. And then I assume – so it's all the images. And then it's a mixture of the TV show and your stupid face. Oh, <laughs> and then your TV show? The, the Bulletproof. Oh, oh, bulletproof! I gotta and, look at that. I, that's yeah, the, this is the first time I'm hearing about it. Oh, and movie. then and then Lady Gaga for some reason is in a photo. <laughs> oh yeah, well, I I was Lady Gaga a couple of times for Halloween. Oh, gotcha. Um, for and I just love Gaga. I think that's like the ultimate. If I had number one artist to work for, Lady Gaga. Well, Absolutely. did you, did you, did you know like her monitor guy and her were like a thing for half a second? They like yeah, showed up on people. Dude. Dude, all the all of the Facebook groups, like the Live Sound Facebook groups, all of those were like cheering him on and like friends sending him friend requests. Like I remember, he said he got like a billion friend requests in like in a day or whatever. Just I'm sure, that. I'm sure. People we were like, magazine. We're like, <laughs> we're like, there's hope for us. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, hell so yeah! I thought that was real funny. Well, I can't remember his name, but there. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't either. Nashville guy. He hikes a lot. Dan. Dan? Dan. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to – I got my – I'm on my computer. Dan. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, 
who is Lady Gaga's new boyfriend? Sound engineer Dan Horton. Go Dan Horton. Horton. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get him on this podcast. And talk yeah, there you go. <laughs> God. I won't ask him a single question about Lady Gaga. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be Better great. off. What Better is, off. She wanted, what other what's in her in-ear mix? <laughs> Her dogs. Were you the dog walker when all the shit went down? Oh God, that was rough. Actually, didn't the dude like? Wasn't the dude gonna sue her or or something? I think something. No, they they took care of her. They took care of him. She she just like he never heard anything really from the camp other than like money is what I last read. Because my my favorite thing besides like looking at old photos on the internet is TMZ. So oh, really? I'm, I'm always on there. Oh, okay. You know? All right. Well, I'll hit you up when I it, need it, it's a lot. It's a lot of hurry up and wait in my day, you know, yeah. like especially for Alice Cooper with all the theatrics and all the sets and stuff. Yeah, I just I get... pull up pictures of Alex and I keep myself busy. I just I'm <laughs> happy. There you go. <laughs> happy, happy Marquitis. Teddy Swims. <laughs> I had never heard of this guy. This fucking dude can sing, man. He's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I had, I had never heard of him either. My my friend, uh, Max, um, so I worked for a band called Attila in 2014. I've known the band for forever. I've mixed a couple of their uh, singles. Um, Max and, and Curtis, um, their brothers, uh, Curtis uh, has been a friend for as long as I've known Attila. Anyway, long story short, I was doing a Steel Panther gig this past uh, summer uh, in Atlanta, and I got taken out on my birthday because I was not home for my birthday, so they're like, it's your fucking birthday, let's go. Damn right. So, over a couple shots. 33, right? 33. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, over over the course of uh, a couple shots of tequila, Curtis comes up and he's like, hey man, I've got this artist I work for. He's opening up for Zach Brown Band. I need a guy that can mix like arenas and stadiums, and like you're my number one guy. Like, are you free? And I'm like, bro, my calendar is completely free because it's, it's COVID. It's post. It's, I'm, I'm it's watching post- Lady Gaga's yeah. for Dan. Dan's my boss. <laughs> I've been shot five times. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I thought it was just a country singer, and then I looked him up when I got home, and and. I was like, oh my god, this is this dude can sing. He was not, not only can he sing, he's also one of like next to Steel Panther, the nicest guy on the planet. Like always like taking you out from dinner, you know, um will just randomly come up and hug you and be like, Hey man, like thank you for like bringing my vision to the masses. Like I'm super thankful to have you he'll still text me randomly. You know, it's, it's, it's rare that an artist you work for will always, you know, will occasionally reach out to crew, but he's one of them that will just out of the blue. Joey Belladonna is another example. He'll just FaceTime me out of the blue and hit me up. Just to see Are how you I'm serious? Doing. Yeah. That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'll, Dude, it'll like, I, remember the, I remember the first time I met him was on that kill thrax tour. The second oh, yeah. kill switch and, and anthrax. And like, I was like fixing a cable. This was, I think, right before you joined up on that tour. But yeah. I was like fixing a cable, and he just comes up behind me. He's like, 
hey bud what are you doing and i was just like uh soldering some nl4 i don't know like whatever and he's like that's cool i'm i'm joey and i was like i know like <laughs> <laughs> and then he was just talking to me and i was just like that's i was like that's so cool he's such a sick guy i was like he, that's super cool he is like it like last it's year super funny Last year, he, he he called me for, like, some Pro Tools advice, and just, like, we would shoot the shit and catch up, and his wife and <laughs> is super nice. Yeah, I'm like, I remember, oh, I remember behind the music, and now this guy's just called me out of the blue. <sighs> Zach Wilde still sends me, like, postcards, like, but anyway, back to back to the topic, like, like, Teddy Swims is super talented and just... I can only hope because of how incredibly nice and incredibly talented he is that his tra- his trajectory just goes up from here. I think it would, man. I mean, the guy. I think so too. That's cool. Oh, totally. His, his voice is. You know, he doesn't did you ever, need. Did you guys ever hang know? with Scott Ian when you were doing Anthrax stuff? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Scott's always would be around. Charlie, you know, they're they're all on first name basis. Remember that. Uh, Day off uh, party we had on the Kiltrex tour at Marquitis in Nashville in that hotel oh, yeah, room. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's, Super Bowl. That's right. Yeah. I forgot what we did. We like we all rented like one giant hotel room for all of us to hang. Yeah, it was, just, uh, it was and then, so like, sweet. Yeah, we all like dressed up and shit. It was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got like, the photos it somewhere. It was cool. Scott's rad. You know, he's he, he takes he takes his job very serious you know um but you know when it comes to anthrax i've done all three things you can do on the audio side for that band i mixed front of house i tour managed them i mixed monitors several times i've mixed a live record for them um but you know scott's red like that whole band is red he's like super big fan of horror movies so I was going to bring him on here because I had Michael Grace who wrote Poltergeist. Oh, cool. Yeah, I thought cool. Scott would be into it. But uh, I ended up having on uh, the guy who was the editor-in-chief of Fangoria, which cool. was super cool. It was super cool. cool. But well, I think Scott would be into it. If you ever have – well, I'll tell you who's a bigger horror fan is Charlie. Uh, oh, really? Charlie Benante goes to like Comic-Cons. Uh, he's really big into Jaws. Um so if you, but like, same with any horror movies, constantly posting about it. And he'll text me occasionally because my girlfriend loves Jaws as much as Charlie does. And he'll be like, hey, did your girlfriend see this piece of media that just came out? And I'll be like, I don't know. Let me ask. <laughs> I was working with this dude. I was working a film for a while, a little bit. And yeah. I had this guy who was, his mother was Verna Fields. And Verna Fields is like, they called her Mother Cutter. And so she edited Jaws and a lot of amazing shit. She actually introduced Lucas to Spielberg in school. And oh, her what? Son, though, That's was a, awesome. Super neat. Her son was a fuck up. And so I had this guy and I had I got him a rig. Oh, American Graffiti and oh, Paper crazy. Moon. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. So the son... You know, he he grew up like he was a PA on the set of like Indiana Jones or something. I can't remember, but cool shit. So anyway, this guy, this fucking guy, he's he's like homeless type dude, and he he found going through his like mother's shit when she died, four minutes or six minutes of Jaws footage that they never had. So he's like, woohoo! So he said, what happened was is like Universal came in like the fucking feds, and they're like, give us the goddamn footage now. 
<laughs> and they what? took the footage and there was like I don't think there was anything on it that was anything interesting, but uh he got like no say anywhere. I'm all that's because you're a homeless bum, bro. <laughs> but they came and they that's took it. Ridiculous. Yeah. Was it just, it was just like deleted scenes or like, or just like. Yeah, it was um, some stuff he found uh, like in a shed or something. And it just said Jaws on it and it was extra stuff. So, hmm. you know, technically uh, I assume it is Universal's property. But yeah, see, totally. he would not be able to yeah. make any money off of it. Uh, yeah, end. he wouldn't. I mean, I guess you could negotiate with them with, uh, actually, so we were talking about Alice Cooper. So Batty toured with Alice Cooper forever and he has a closet filled of VHS tapes of him on the road with Alice Cooper. And it's all the it's all the crew and the roadies acting like assholes and everything. And uh, I told him, reach out to, he's like, well, I want to do a book and then have the videos as like an accompaniment. I'm like, now fuck all that. <laughs> reach out to them and say, hey, I got some great Alice Cooper shit from the 80s, you know? <laughs> I mean, I know Alice, Alice's uh, manager, Shep, is all about uh, keeping anthologies of things, you know, like we, he knows everybody. Just doesn't. Want to, I don't know. We record every show, and you know, we send hard drives off to Honolulu, where Shep lives, and he's got a treasure trove of things to pick from for future releases and things. So, cool. Yeah, I, I mean, that would be my thing to do, you know. But I mean, I know, you know, I was just reading a book about the late uh, journalist Dorothy Kilgallen and uh, her bio- biography that was written. 60 years after she died, uh, the audiobook and, and ebook has links to various media that the author found and pictures. I think that's what he wants. Which is, it is cool to have that, um, type of additional things to see, but you know, it, uh, you know, somebody that is still living and copyright and things like that, it's, I, w- I would never take that risk. You know, I, I don't want to get sued. I don't want to have to retain a lawyer for something that I've, eh, you know, to be honest, collecting. you know, what would you, you wouldn't get a lot out of it. You watch your TMZ. You wouldn't get a lot out of it. Well, and it's not like you, it's not like you get a payday that will end all days. You, you don't get that much. It's better to play no. the game. It's better to be cool and be play the game. Always. Of course. Yeah. I'm, you know, all the, all the things, bootlegs and things that I have, I would never put out on my own turn them in and if they want to use it you want to quit working (laughs) totally that's that's a straight to the blacklist for sure pretty quick way i love working though yeah yeah, same go on what got you guys into uh to the positions you're at what what were you doing earlier on uh i'll go uh i was working for periphery uh and we did a tour with Kill Switch Engage as the support. No, like what were you doing before? Oh, before, before the music that? stuff. So oh, Periphery was your first stuff. national tour. Uh, no, there was a another band called Hotspur uh, before that. But I guess before, before that, I was just like in you know in high school, like working you know in a band and uh, wanting to record our music. So I was just like, how do we do this? Uh, and then uh, me and my friend Mark actually like tried to figure it out we're like how do we you know i forget what we recorded on audacity i think was the first one that we ever used uh and then i was just like this is kind of sick um and then we kind of kept going from there and then my buddy billy called me and was like hey there's this um he had a friend at american university downtown dc and was like 
we have this show loading in like you want to come hang out and like work you know obviously not get paid but just like hang out and like check it out so i was like yeah cool and it was um uh i can't remember his name larry black was like the comedian um and i remember how awesome it was it was like two semis it was just like a bunch of park hands and beat osk and whatever huge rig and i was just like this is the coolest shit i've ever seen ever like just to see all the rigging in the arena and like all these park cans i was like this is like this is awesome and you're like and i did the next yeah i was like yeah i was 18 and i was just like this is so sick i want to just like whatever and then the next show he did was like he was like oh they're doing it again uh college shows and andrew wk and i ended up doing that load in and then i also was like security uh for like the like catching people like moshing and fucking crowd surfing that's when i realized i never want to do that ever again yeah it was the one and only <laughs> yeah. time i ever did it uh and then i did like a bunch of other shows and i was like man this is freaking sweet and then um i went to the university of maryland i wanted to get a degree in audio there but the only way you could do that is through the theater program and i was like i don't really want to do theater um because i didn't want to i just didn't want to do that and i ended up checking out full sale and I was just like, uh, I, I don't know. It was kind of weird. Like I went down there and did the tour with my friend and I was just like, I don't know. It was kind of weird and really expensive and like couldn't afford that. My parents couldn't afford that um, at the time because you had to like not only pay for the, the expensive ass school, you have to like live on site. On There's no dorms or whatever. You have to get like an apartment or whatever. It's, it's a whole thing. So I was like, fuck that. I ended up going to Omega Studio School in um Rockville, Maryland, where they recorded like Bad Brains and whatever, and it's a full working studio that also has a uh, school attached to it, like an accredited school. And I had got like five degrees in like music business, audio engineering. There's a live sound program, MIDI, and then audio production techniques, which is pretty much like Pro Tools. So mm-hmm. we got certified in Pro Tools seven or six, I can't remember seven. Um, and then after that, I was just like, I started doing corporate, local corporate events and stuff like that. And I was just like, I have to freaking tour. And then I saw a Craigslist ad. It was like, need a sound guy for, you know, local band or whatever. And uh, they were actually like on MTVU and stuff. And it ended up being pretty cool. My first ever tour was, uh, well, in a shitty band, but it was a Six Flags tour. They were supporting like Metro Station. I don't know if you remember that band, but like. They're like some pop band. Uh, shake it, we were, shake, shake, shake it. Yeah, we were doing that, and like we were supporting <laughs> on the Six Flags tour, which was great. Loden was at like 10 a.m. They played at like two, and then we could ride rides all day. Like, oh, like the best first tour I could ever dream of. Yeah, that was a good gig. Yeah, man. And then after that, I was just like, I fucking love this shit. I don't want to stop doing it, and um, I just wanted to like be in charge of mixing sound, and like I just like it. It was so fun every single time, you know, like, especially making the kids feel like I felt when I went to a show, you know, like I remember going to like arena shows and be like, man, this sounds awesome. Like, how do I like, you know, I just, I remember how good like the kick drum sound. I remember when I went to see Corn for the first time or like Pantera or fucking Soulfly or whatever. And I was just like, this sounds awesome. Yeah. How do I like do that? How do I make it sound like that in the future? And, like, I always think back to those days and, like, that's why I love it so much is because, like, I can make, I feel like the kids, I want to make the kids feel like I did when I was watching the shows, you know? And um, and that's what makes it all worth it, you know? Like, for us, it's like, I mean, Ashton can attest, like, fucking, it's hard being on the road, like, all the time, nine months out of the year. It fucking sucks. But, like, 
you know, we'll travel like 37 hours and fucking be in five different planes and whatever and halfway across the world to do a 45 minute show. Like that's yeah. crazy. It is crazy. You know? It's like, it's nuts to like, think about that. But what are some like, of the craziest it... gigs you've played at? Uh, well, I guess the one I was th- talking about was the, we flew from DC all the way to, uh, where do we go? Bang- oh, to Bangalore in India. We were on the ground. We were on the ground in India for like 17 hours, but we were, we had been in transit on either side of the thing for like 30 hours. So we were like in flight in, in the plane for like 60 plus hours to only be in India for 17. You know, like that shit is Brutal. mind blowing. Like, and it was cool. I mean, like it was an awesome experience. But like, yeah, what was like, the gig? Where, where did, did you play like in a temple or something? Or uh. I forgot who, what the name of the festival was called. Oh, so it was a festival. So it was an outdoor venue? Yeah, it was an outdoor event. Gojira actually played the night before us in uh, Bangalore, Maine. I, or Bangalore, Maine. Bangalore, India. Um, I can't remember the name of the festival, but it was it was awesome. I mean, it was just like such a great time. I remember Gojira played the night before, and Testament was playing the night after us. So like we were all in the hotel in the morning. It was like 2012. 2011 maybe i can't yeah 2000 2012 i just found it um what was the name of the festival i'm trying to find it it's not really coming up but sounds sick (laughs) Uh, yeah i mean it was fun and it was just like i remember just like that was like my first time even was your after show was your after show food pizza (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah i'm sure the guys in periphery Uh, don't like it aren't very adventurous nh7 weekender yeah, the we- NH7 weekend. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that was super yeah. fun, though. Uh, other than that, I mean, like, I mean, there's been other crazy stuff. We, you know, flying to Australia is fun. We did a Russia tour. That was crazy. That'd be awesome. Uh, you know, getting in, we were like doing the, the, I don't know if you've ever done the Russia tour, but like going from St. Petersburg to like Moscow in this like 1980s Soviet train, like, fucking. <laughs> yeah, I'd be killer. I'd like love that. Well, I I did it all on on planes in 2019 with Disturbed. We had like uh, St. Petersburg to Moscow, Moscow to Yekaterinburg, Yekaterinburg back to uh, St. Petersburg, then going from there to get to – we had to get to Ukraine uh, and played Ukraine, which was – fucking wild and then what what time of the year were you doing because when we did the periphery tour we we went to siberia too and yekaterinburg and nova siberia and all that stuff we went in february i actually flew from dc on my birthday which is the 24th uh but we went to siberia in freaking february and it was like landing on like five inches of ice it's like okay (laughs) minus 30 over there it's like all right man (laughs) we're just gonna be here we did it in uh, June, and then we, you know, but I've, I've done like Serbia in the winter and stuff like that. That's yeah, nuts. Well, but crazy. my my long my longest trip was Milan, uh, or no, um, Munich to Perth for the stop in. That's a that's a flight. <laughs> it was it was so it was Germany to um, uh, Dubai to Tokyo. To Perth. Rough. Wow. 
Yeah. It was like rough one. And, but, well, so we did stop to do the OzFest in Tokyo, but I went straight from the plane to Loden to cover um, uh, Jane's Addiction. So I did Jane's Addiction, uh, and then we did the show, and I was only in Tokyo for 36 hours. Wow. And then we went straight to Perth, and I slept forever. Oh, and we stopped in Singapore, not to play a show, but as a layover from Tokyo to Perth. This it was Disturbed? This was with Black Label Society. Oh, okay. <laughs> disturbed has done similar flights where it's like Tokyo to Perth, Perth to, you know, you fly everywhere in Australia, and then a couple Did days to Did you ever Auckland. fuck with the guys in Disturbed? Did you get any uh, wind-ups on them or anything? Any wind-ups? Yeah, you fuck with them. So I, I toured with Disturbed, and I was uh, I when I did the tour, we put them in an electric chair every night. And right. We'd get up and we'd start. Oh to man, that's old school. Long, that's sick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Old old school. So I was the Grim Reaper, oh, and I stuck them in the chair. So yeah. what I wanted to do, <laughs> and they'd play like through the audio. You know, David, you've done horrible acts against society. You know, they although they say all this terrible shit about him like raping and pillaging, basically. So I wanted to put like through, it would just be his inner ears, but he would think it would be the whole damn place. You know, you got busted stealing tampons from a CVS, David. <laughs> I'm shit. trying to make him laugh. <laughs> we didn't no, make, make him panic more than anything. Yeah, well, what um, I did do is I taped him into the electric chair so he couldn't get out. <laughs> but he just looked at me and he's like, ha, ha, ha. Okay, he was well, legit, it. Like, he, he was, was legit like, whatever, taped dude. Oh, my God. It's amazing. That's kind of fucking awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Now, well, it's funny that like the electric chair and things are very much reminiscent of how the Alice Cooper thing is. The Alice Cooper show is very much uh, kind of like a high school musical, but done legit. So, Patty told me that they 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 needed an electric chair, so they took the one from the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. They, they never returned it. Well, we're we're not using that currently, but I was watching a bunch of old videos to uh, just kind of see where the band has come from and evolved. Uh, and it's funny watching the evolution of the gags because we have the for Alice the, Cooper, the, for Alice Cooper. So we have the uh, Frankenstein Alice Cooper, the tall, you know, fourteen foot tall guy running around that is Alice Cooper, but looks like Frankenstein. Uh, well, that gag initially came from the break in Feed My Frankenstein. Alice would get into the electric chair. they shoot off pyro and a bunch of smoke, and Alice would disappear. And then out of the shadows would come this 14-foot Frankenstein. Well, now we don't do that anymore. And then on Billion Dollar Babies, there used to be this whole thing with him running around with a, with a fencing sword with a right. bunch of dollars on it. Well, right. We don't have that anymore. There's a uh, uh, just a, a it's called uh, basically this like skeleton shoots out a bunch of confetti with dollar Alice dollars in it uh, which is predicated by this inflatable baby with a bunch of tattoos that is also like eight feet tall. <laughs> Running out, falling around, falls on this catapult, and then the catapult aims up and shoots out confetti and Alice dollars. 
uh, which is that your payment for the tour? You get paid in the Alistair. Totally, totally. <laughs> uh, they like it, it's super funny. Like you ever play uh, poker against them? No, I have not, but I have um, uh, played um, NFL pool with some of the guys that uh, oh. I've won at least once. And I don't, nice. being from Detroit, it's hard to follow any professional sports team. So I had to just kind of go with my gut and I'm like, oh, cool. I won week six. Dope. Uh, but uh, <laughs> he, and I, he and I do talk about Michigan, uh, University of Michigan football a lot because now I can pay attention to it because Jim Harbaugh is go actually blue. my boy. Go blue. So, yeah, um, yeah, the Coopers are great. His wife is excellent. But as far as your original question, no, I have not fucked with the Disturbed Guys. That being said, I've been very drunk with the Disturbed Guys. Dan and Mike are like college kids. And When I was on tour, I was with STP, and they oh, were yeah. the opening band. And so I, I love the DeLeo brothers. They're so nice. They're great. Best dudes. I wanted to be on the Disturbed bus because the STP guys were old and boring, you know, meaning they were like 30, probably. You know, I was 20 years old. So hold on, I'm going to close this window real quick. These old men. Yeah, the DeLeos the, the are great. Like Bush opened uh, or did this rotating tour with them uh, and the cult. And I was at the Phoenix airport just walking through at the end of the tour and I get fucking tackled. And I'm like, what the fuck? Just ready to fight somebody. And it's the DeLeo brothers going, bro, it was so good having you out on this tour. I'm like, oh my God. I was like six when I first heard like Interstate Love Song. I'm like, this is fucked. And they're, <laughs> ah! <laughs> so cool. Nicest yeah. guys. Anyway, yeah, your story. Sorry. You wanted to be on the Disturbed bus because... Yeah, because they partied. So the guys on the Disturbed bus would have a good time where we were like, boring dude <laughs> so i uh, i wanted to go out on their bus and uh, i worked for charlie hernandez if you know charlie and yeah Charlie was like no you're gonna go to sleep you know and the guys were like you can come on the bus if you want i'd, I'd be looking at the bus like that's where dreams come true <laughs> it's all fun. they were fun they were they were they were cool guys man they were really they're, they're, they're still a lot of fun good dudes for sure Very good dudes for sure yeah i overheard a conversation and it, this was, uh, you know, this was early on, man. And so David was talking to Rob DeLeo and Rob was like, man, wait till you guys get your first private plane. And he goes, oh yeah, that's, that's cool. He goes, it's fucking really cool. And I remember thinking like, fuck yeah, that's cool. <laughs> you know? But it was really neat to hear. I mean, now they're like both giants, you know, Disturbs really big, man. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, it was neat to hear these two rock gods. I'll say, I don't know, uh, geek out. Cause what would you do? You'd be like, you do the same thing of your first private plan. Hell yeah. Pretty fucking neat. Still ha still haven't done it. Actually, I don't same. think we've done it yet. Nope. Same. I was gonna say. We want to and Guns N' Roses, all we fucking cared about. I want to get on a goddamn helicopter. And uh we couldn't swing it, man. They would not let us go in the helicopter. I would I'm good without a helicopter for sure. Actually, I think there was one time we did get a private plane. It was from we did we played this uh Tune Trek metal party thing in Yumia, Sweden with Meshuga. We like it was periphery Meshuga, this like tune track metal month party thing. And we had to fly we flew from the weren't you there? Did you come with us? 
Did you? No. You were. It was on the Dream Theater tour. We flew from the Dream Theater tour. No, you were there. You were. You yes. How come you didn't show? Hey, I don't know why you didn't come. No, that was another time. Like I remember going. Are you sure? I'm gonna look it up right now. Yeah. Uh, okay. You know. Okay. Oh wait, no, because Boris was playing drums. Okay, never mind. It wasn't that tour. Okay. It was the subsequent tour, but. Anyway, we flew from like Must Italy nice. or something. <laughs> no, we flew from Italy his private planes mixed up. <laughs> yeah, this is 20, 2013, so it was not when I was there. Uh, no, but so we flew from there to Sweden to play this to play this party, and uh, uh, I remember to get we had to get back to Stockholm because Yumi is in the middle of Sweden. We had to get back to Stockholm to get a regular commercial plane, and I remember they like. Uh, Tune Track rented us a small private plane, but we're talking like a fucking prop plane. It was not great. It was real bad, and it, uh, we were actually like hammered. Okay, when we like were flying, and we had all of our gear in the back of the plane, it didn't really fit. We were like bunched up, like it was like it was terrible. Yeah, that's and, not uh, the private plane I'm like, talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, no, this is this is like this was like a private plane, but like a prop plane, and it was like three forty in the morning. They said we were like, all, everybody was hammered, and we even had a ball of jackets. We were all scared as shit because it was like, we don't know if this plane's going to take off. We were like overweight because we had all the guitars and drums and bullshit yeah, no, inside the plane. We were like, yeah, uh, it was pretty bad. And I remember, I remember feeling nauseous at like 10,000 feet because like it wasn't, it didn't go very high, but we went to like 10,000. I'd be like, I feel like I can't breathe. I feel like there was no pressure. Like it wasn't like a normal. Yeah, like, that's plane. fucked. So that's like, fucked. Yeah, that's fucked that. Yeah, but, uh, I glad pretty, I wasn't there. Yeah. I don't think you missed out. That on was a pretty wild no, experience. I sure, I sure did. Well, I mean, 20, 2013, I had my own flight issues. Remember, because uh, Alex had to like house me for a night because it's coming back from a from a tour where I had had um, taking off out of uh, out of Houston and had an engine failure that we had to evacuate the plane out of. And then, like, three weeks later, I was coming back from a European tour. We got over D.C. airspace, and it was, like, final destination. Like, bags flying out of the overhead bin, the mask coming down, and I had a panic attack. And remember, I called you. I'm like, hey, man, I'm not getting on my plane. Are you home? Can I crash with you tonight? Because I'm about to take a 17-hour Amtrak. And, yeah, Alex And you already had plane anxiety. (laughs) No, I didn't. That was what set me off. That that one? Yeah, because I mean, both my parents were flight attendants. They're both retired now, so I've been yeah. flying since forever, yeah. and I didn't think I didn't have second thoughts about anything. But that, those two incidents in the time frame they happened really fucked me up. So, so you're just playing now or no? Oh yeah, I, I mean, I it took a couple of years for me to like chill out about it. Um, yeah, because I mean, you have to. You otherwise. You can't no, work. No, I well, and I live in Detroit. My 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 mantra is: if somebody wants to hire me, they'll put me on a plane. Like I, I don't yeah. want to live in L.A. Like I don't. Yeah, see, um, like Detroit. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I I work uh, through Thunder Audio from time to time. Uh, one of the big companies out of there. I work out of some of the theaters that are down there, uh, and it's a major friends and fam. Yeah, and I mean, it's where I I grew up. So why would I go anywhere else? Uh, that being cold, eh, only sometimes. I agree. Only so, well, whatever DC, it gets cold in Bethesda. I don't want. I don't. Okay, first of all, I don't want to be in DC. I've been talking about moving for like the last two years, 
Uh, and I was going to go, I was going to buy a house. And right at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, I'm going to finish this year and buy Same. a house. I, was like, Same. I fucking had enough money. And I was like, by the end of the year, I'm definitely going to have enough money. Cause we had like, we had Iron Maiden uh, queued up. We had the big like headliner tour that we were going to do all of the yeah. festivals in Europe. We had like, I had a bit busy year plan. I was right there. And was, yeah. And I was just like, I want to live by the water. I just like I cannot. I hate the cold weather. I DC just, has all of the four seasons yeah. very prominent. Like every season is very like. I was just reading an article the other day season. about about a woman living in uh in Mexico on like no money at all. So like yeah. Do you know Do you know Jonathan Jarrell works for Cannibal Forbes? I do. I've yeah, yeah he's, he's He's on our uh, he's on our tour right now. He's mixing Code Orange, and he moved. We well, we both went to Mexico in like uh, December, and to go scuba diving for like a couple months. And he was just like, you know what? I, he fucking sold all of his shit in Austin and just moved there. So now he's yeah. a permanent resident of, of of Mexico. And like, wow, yeah. So you know, right, live in Detroit, be cold. That's cool. So I was going to put together this podcast and my buddy's five year old, no, fifth grade daughter, fifth grade daughter. She, um, she said, you need to ask all of the people that come on your podcast when they first felt famous. And it's a good question. I like it. You don't have to feel fame if you don't want to go down that route. That's cool. But what was a pivotal moment in your career that changed your life that, that made uh, maybe what you do worthwhile or just an event worth telling what would each of you guys pick go ahead alex i gotta think about this because uh, <laughs> you're because you're uh, famous i'm not famous uh <laughs> whatever I, well, like well the periphery of the band i worked for were like we were like all good friends together and stuff and like um i remember uh they would like when social media started becoming like even bigger than it is when it was back in like 2010 or whatever, like uh, when it first started being like that, like I remember just gaining followers like real quick and I was just like, whoa, this is weird. And like people would start like asking me like lots of questions and then they would like ask me to sign shit in front of house. Like I remember I signed like, I signed like some, some um, like outboard gear and I was like, what? He brought like a he brought like a one of that 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 blue lexicon reverb unit like that's a one you can sign. I was like, you want me to sign? Why? (laughs) He's like, oh, he's like, well, because they made me, you know, periphery made it seem like I was like a part of the band also, which was awesome. Um, But I was just like, I just do sound, man. You know, I love I love doing sound for the band. But when I like asked to like was asked to autograph something. I remember I got asked another time and I was just like, oh yeah, I'll go get this signed by the band. And they were like, no, 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 you. And I was like, what? No. (laughs) That's like really bizarre to me to like sign an autograph for somebody that's like, I'm like, I'm not the talent. Like I'm just, I'm just doing my job and I like love my job. Like they're the. It's like being one of the other girls in the strip club. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You want me? Be like, be like, no, I'm like, it's still weird. Like, I, it hasn't, it doesn't really happen so much with Killswitch or whatever. But like, um, it is still weird if it happens from time to time. Like, this is bizarre to me. Like, it's, well, did didn't you have like the highest uh, rated, or not highest rated, but the highest listened podcast with uh, Steve's podcast or Pro Sound yeah, Web? It, yeah, because you're so famous. 
No, because all the periphery dudes, all the periphery fan base are like old nerds. They're all like, they're all of them are recording engineers. All of them do sound. All of them yeah. are like musicians and like, they're all super nerds. So like, I'm sure that they're on like, the periphery like, of the industry. You see yeah. that? Yeah, there you uh, go. There you go. <laughs> oh, whoa. See, I, I had that happen too. Like I'm like Alex at one point also had the keys to the periphery social media pages and would tag me and stuff occasionally. So I still have a yeah. huge, I still have a huge backlog of friend requests from some of those fans uh, that I have just left in purgatory since 2012. When, you know, yeah. but I still will get tagged in things. I, you know, it's like for me, similar, like Alex and I run a parallel path. Like he, he and I both got into the industry for the same reason. We were both musicians and figured out we enjoyed uh, doing both the back drummers. end of things. Yeah, both drummers. You know, I recorded bands in my parents' basement and I recorded my own bands and other bands were like, oh, shoot. And I wanted to get into the industry because I wanted to record bands, but I didn't want to be a coffee bitch because I knew I was better than that. Um, <laughs> you know, so I worked at clubs, same things. But, you know, for me, the moments have come that are rewarding and it's when I can teach somebody and like I'll occasionally see somebody as a message request in my uh, Instagram or something saying, Oh man, like it's super cool. Like I'm finishing high school and like, I really want to work for bands and stuff. And like, I see you killing it out there and like, thank you for these tips and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's super rewarding. Um, there's definitely been yeah, a couple of times where like a band I've worked for, I've tagged something inevitably at like I've gotten to trouble once at uh, TV taping with fifth harmony and their fans are rabid and we're like, Oh, well we know uh, the girls are on James Corden tonight and we see this guy is posting something at James Corden. He must work for them. And then suddenly all my things are inundated with all these fifth harmony fans. Uh, <laughs> so that that's happened to me before. There you go. But the, it is rewarding to to be able to pass on the knowledge because I remember coming into this industry and getting just the 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 fucking you know back of people's heads, not not really getting oh, dude, a lot of help or anything like absolutely. that coming out. I, yeah, yeah. I, we all I think we all pay it forward because there was a time when we were all like local crew. I remember like doing local crew. I was doing ACDC. I was just like I was the like. I think they put me on, on lighting on electric because like they never asked me what I wanted to do. So they just put me wherever. So I was doing fucking lighting and I was just like talking to the audio, like the uh, backline tech. He was doing drums or whatever. I was just like, you know, I was just asking him questions and he sat there and like answered them. You know, like I see sometimes now if anyone, if any stagehand like asks me a question, I always answer them, but I see other Same. like other road crew just be like, Oh fuck off. Like you just push my case. And I'm just like, uh, dude nah, we, were, we were we were literally all there we were all asking the crew i asked i remember asking him was just like dude how long did it take you to get here and he was like you know what like 10 years yeah. and that was like for me i i mean i never worked for acdc or like or a band even close to that being that big yeah um and it's still taking me over 10 years you know like uh or whatever so it's just like a long process to yeah but you're enjoying to, to, the process Sounds for like sure it. and i and i love it but there are definitely some crew that obviously uh have gotten a, a, a easier ride Jaded. or whatever and i feel like they don't appreciate the the growth that it took to get here and i think those crew like obviously i can tell like the 
good crew or the like the ones that we don't really care be like if something's fucked and be like shit's fucked or at the show you're like it's cool man it's just a show like it'll just happen again at some point like whatever like yeah. other other crew that have like that you know came into this business and then like their first tour was a bus tour you know yeah i was in a van for like five years and then i was in a bandwagon for like another four years and then now i'm finally in buses but like but still like we, they didn't do their time and i feel like they don't appreciate all that all their bullshit we had to go through it's so. definitely it's definitely a feeling of, of people being jaded in some in some cases but uh, you know for me especially now coming back because staffing is is such an issue and we're getting a lot of new local help and and whatnot people that have never done a lot of or they they don't have a lot of experience as local help you know i just had uh, a rhino crew the other day helping me with loadout and a lot of these guys you know kids even you know 18 19 years old who don't know how to even over under a cable and you know i've got a lot of you know i i everybody picks their gig and i'm fortunate that my gig allows me a lot of extra time Mm-hmm. So I pack up my desk, get everything ready, pack up my immediate cases, and then I see these guys, you know, doing the, the over the arm thing. I'm like, whoa, whoa, let me teach you something that's going to make your life a lot easier and also yeah. not get you yelled at in the future. Because I know and, some and guys will straight guy's... up, some guys will straight up yell at kids like that and just be like, what the fuck are you doing to my cable? And I'm like. Uh, let's that's make your way. life easier, you know. So I'm like, that, all right, so check that it. Guy, that guy. That's in between your you. yoga and, and lattes. <laughs> <laughs> it totally, yeah. yeah. You know, but those those dudes will remember, it, and I remember those guys that have done that to me too. Totally. That didn't yell at me and was like, "Let me show you actually how to do this." You know, like, and, and we have crew, we have crew on the Slipknot tour that are are doing that. You know, like I see that some hands are struggling with, you know, whatever they're yeah. doing, but like. I can see that the uh, the the Slipknot crew and the Killswitch crew and like and all the other crews and the whole thing are just doing everything we can to be like, look, man, just do it this way because you know in the future you're gonna be my hand again. Totally, totally, and they're and they're gonna kill it the next time. And you know, like that's the thing. That's that's the camaraderie about being on the road is helping those that help you and also helping everybody else. You know, like even though I do have the extra time, is you know I. I push a shit ton of cases and push a shit ton of stuff to help because in the end it is all about the out. And, you know, even if we're shorthanded, you know, the lately, you know, the stones are out right now and they are famously about 50 hands short a night Uh, on Cooper. We've been averaging about anywhere from four to six hands short. So we're all stepping up to make the show happen. And, you know, if even if we're getting a lot of newbies on there, still taking the time to you know teach somebody a skill that they didn't get taught yeah. is helpful in the long run because it can inspire them to do something else yeah, you know? it's i'm always the, it's passing, passing the, the torch. torch yeah it's of course of course and you know like marquini said it's like if somebody has a question about my rig or something or or wants to know something uh, which happens a lot you know oh what's that thing for or oh this is the the avid s6l like what's cool about it like i only know this desk oh well let me show you you know like it's, i always take time because i was there for sure yeah. yeah not that not that long ago either so like i'm cognizant as hell about being the annoying 
I was way more annoying. Like I, I, my first gig ever was a result of my dad getting me a gig with John Legend because they were on a flight of his twice, and I filled in for a week wow. setting up drums. Cool. Um, and you know, it, I got my ass handed to me because I was the annoying kid that was like, "Oh, well, why do you do that? I don't know. Just fucking set it up." Yeah, I got it. I mean, the great roadie. Yeah, yeah exactly. Tutorials. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Sometimes just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> just do it. How how is the the uh, I, I I haven't been able to ask you this on tour, but how has the uh, COVID restrictions been? Like, how have your hands ours acted? like? Are there are they wearing their masks? Are they doing? We have this, a you know? we we have a strict. So we have a COVID compliance officer on our tour, uh, Judy Wan. Uh, she's incredible, um, and she's booked until April of next year because she is so good at what she does. We are uh, coming up on 27 shows, six weeks, fully negative. She's got the hardest rednecks that will never wear a mask to keep their mask on because she just is good about commanding respect. And it all comes down to the fact that my artist is – almost 74 years old and everyone recognizes that. And so if he goes down, we all go down. Um, so we are highly encouraged to, uh, stay within our bubble, which everyone is doing. It's a very tight knit community. Uh, I meant like, like how are the hands, like how are the hands doing? Like, cause sometimes like they're, they'll be good. Some other days they'll be like, we'd have to like repeat it and be like, there's a couple uh, like, look, loaders we had in our trucks and i was just like guys i don't i don't really care but you guys just got to keep your mask on before you get booted from the show like oh judy, so judy is at loadout and load in is like a hawk and oh yeah, yeah we a, don't we don't we don't have a person like that um, well so our our girl unfortunate circumstances she 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 just like exudes respect given back to her because she is giving it back. She's like, Hey man, like, I know it's like, do you want a water? Can I bring you water? Like, I just need you to keep it up. Um, yeah. and so, and she just has a charm about her that the hands are just like, Oh, my bad. But she comes in and does her spiel. And is like, look, I know it's fucking annoying. I know it sucks, but I need you to do it because it's been, it, it works for us. And that is my job. And your job is Absolutely. to help us load trucks. And I will respect you if you need to step out into fresh air to, you know, breathe a little, you know, without the mask and whatever, do your thing. But unless you're smoking, calling spots, singing on stage, or sucking, you got to wear a mask. And then, sucking? La- yep, no, and sucking? <laughs> out, sucking down a cigarette, sucking it, you know, whatever. But if you're not sucking doing whatever. any, if you're doing, if you're not doing, the first couple things, I'm going to assume you're sucking. And that's her <laughs> spiel, and it makes everybody laugh. And they're like, all right, cool. This 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 is cool. We can wear a mask. We've only had, like, a couple people flat out say no, and they get booted. And that's too bad for them. But, yeah. you know, those guys yeah. sat at home for that year and a half just like we all did. And if they can't just fucking put a mask on, that's – they're in the wrong business because we're all in this together. And, you know, I can't remember the last time I got the flu or a cold because 90 percent of my day I'm out wearing a mask and it's not I that agree. hard. Every, everyone, everyone's that, like not getting sick because we're all like wearing our mask. And, and, not, and now that get... it and now that it's cold outside, it keeps your fucking face warm. 
know? Well, I'm, in, the- I'm in Georgia. Yeah, I, I do. Those Under Armour masks are real thick. And yeah. actually, like, I have for the winter, they're amazing. But, like, totally. Uh, but now we're in Georgia, so it's still kind of hot. But we're uh, we're heading west out to L.A. But we're doing yeah. Georgia and then, like, are you North guys Carolina. Both, are you guys all sheds or are you indoor, outdoor? Shed, all, all sheds, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and I mean, that makes right. it easier. Like, so for our our purposes, based on what you asked, Marquis, you know, if I'm alone in my world and I'm outside, like in monitor world and I'm doing RF and people are like off doing their own thing, I can take my mask yeah. off. It's no problem. But, um, yeah. you know, they, I, they, if, they do want us to keep ours on uh, most of the time. And I'm like, that's fine, but I'll walk out to the lawn and just hang out there and take my mask off. Like, there's yeah. literally zero people out there. So, well, I mean, we, you know, we, those of us that come in contact with the band for every show, we get tested every day. Um, and those, oh, same, we get to front of house crew also get tested every day. Same, same. Um, so, and it's no big they're, deal. They're it's, pretty strict about it, so yeah, yeah and, and, it doesn't and, hurt. You know, the best thing to do for like, I, I found out get a nose hair trimmer. And fucking keep those shits like cleaned up, and it doesn't even tickle. I, she, she shoves that sucker out there, and I'm like, couldn't care less. Well, look, next seconds. time I see you, next time I see you, I'll, I'll make sure that I tickle you. All right, good. Right back. <laughs> Love a tickle party. <laughs> I'll be sucking. Yeah. Oh, good. All right. Wait, whoa, hey, <laughs> what? Wow. What? No. That's what how we get the mask into? off. <laughs> what has this turned into? Something amazing. We're at five thirty-six. <laughs> oh shit! You got to get out of here. What are you doing, Marquides? Uh Well, the band rented out the uh, movie theater, so we're going to watch 007. It's not for hey, like, uh, that's cool. Damn. But uh, we're we're at the Pooler Cinemas. Yeah, two hundred bucks. If you guys ever want to do it, at least I think Regal is two fifty. But this, I don't know what what this is not Regal or AMC or whatever, but. This one's two hundred bucks, and you get an entire theater, and it's freaking sweet. So very badass, cool. badass. Thanks for watching. Don't forget to like and subscribe by clicking the round button on the bottom right. To learn more about me or the guests on the show, go to joelrody.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. The handle's Joel Rody. And don't forget. When you party like a rock star, don't be a dick.